Hey guys, it's Jules. And this is Sydney. From Q&As to vulnerable discussions about mental health, we bring you the Therapist Unscripted podcast. We will share advice and have honest conversations about the messy but beautiful journey of healing and self-discovery. New episodes every Friday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to dive into frequently asked questions we get and we've heard for many years about what therapy is, what to expect, all of those things. So we're kind of going to dive into what we do as therapists. We both work with couples, families, kids, adults, kind of the wide mix of it all. And so, yeah, we should be able to answer most of these for you guys. And I think, too, we'll probably go into the lens of our own experiences, starting our own therapy and stuff, too, just to, yeah, give some background. But, yeah, well, starting my own therapy is what led me to want to become a therapist. So I feel like it's very intertwined for me. And I think it would have been helpful to hear a little bit from someone what therapy was or what to expect before going into a session because I went in and I was like, so nervous sitting in the waiting room I did not know what to expect um and then come find out it's not like waiting movies like people don't have a notepad and you're not laying on a couch you know you can but it's not like I have the, a notepad <laughs> <laughs> I have but a little different but it's not like someone's staring at you no. and it's not you're able to connect in a different way and I think how it's portrayed a lot in the media or in tv shows or movies is it's really cold mm-hmm. and it's just not the case that I've experienced and that like personally or with my clients. So we'll give you a little insight into what you can expect. We're in my office right now and we'll try to make it warm and cozy. There's blankets, there's pillows. You can, I have a weighted stuffed animal that kids can use. We play a lot of games. We do art. Got a little coffee bar. Got a little coffee bar. (laughs) So I don't know, when I go into therapy every week, it's kind of like a little treat. I see it as it's, it's me time. It's time that I can just focus on what I've been experiencing or feeling. And it's also important to find the right therapist, which we'll get into Mm -hmm. a little bit in this episode as well. What is therapy? Therapy is a place that you can go to discuss your emotions, your feelings. It could be about one topic in specific you're struggling with. It could be about multiple different issues that you want help with and kind of a way to get the tools and learn about things in your own history, your own background, that can equip you to deal with similar issues or even different issues in the future. So it's just kind of a way for you to process everything, learn a bit more about yourself, and be equipped to go out into the world and deal with emotions in a healthier and different way. Mm -hmm. And how it impacts relationships and so everything else in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started therapy for the first time, I went in and was, I had a few issues that I wanted to like kind of deal with, work through, but come to find out that a lot of the issues that I was dealing with now are a lot of the unresolved issues that I felt like experienced growing up. So a lot of it, I come from the lens of a therapist, so like your, your background is so crucial in finding out like what's affecting you today. 
I believe in dealing with past problems as well as future problems. If you come in and you're like, I want to talk about this specific thing that I'm struggling with, of course, we're going to do that. But I'm also going to get to the root and the source of why you're experiencing that or what led you to start experiencing these symptoms. And so, yeah, I thought it was just, I'm going to go in, get this one problem fixed and I'm fine. And it's kind of led to like, not to scare you guys, but like years of just doing a little bit more of a deep dive on what is coming up around relationships, myself, emotions, anxiety, all of those things. I like to think of it from the lens of a bowl of spaghetti. Like you are coming in with one strand of spaghetti that you want to work through. But then once you start to pull on it, you realize it's all intertwined and tangled up in the rest of the bowl of spaghetti. So like that. Yeah. So every time you try to work on something, it does unlock a lot of other things going on. But that's okay. The point is to have someone there to help guide you down that path and that process and to be able to work through those things and not feel super overwhelmed by by all of it. Well, and I always ask in intakes, is this affecting your family? Is this affecting other areas of your life? I don't think I've ever seen someone mark no. It Mm -hmm. will typically impact other areas of your life even if you try to not let it. And so... It not only helps you to be in therapy, but it helps the people around you to kind of looking at it from that lens of, I always see this, I don't know if you want to call it like a meme or something, but it's like I'm in therapy because the people around me aren't. (laughs) And I feel like oftentimes that can be true. And so if you are dealing with something, knowing that that is a resource out there for you to use. And it doesn't, it's not something you need to be ashamed of. I know so many people in therapy. It's crazy. Yeah, I think almost everyone I know is in therapy. Yeah. Um, it's not taboo anymore, really. No. It's like, they're like, oh, you are in therapy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think a lot of people think that they have to house some, like, huge issue or, like, big diagnosis or, or something to come into therapy. And you can literally come in for anything like any possible thing that you want to work through or work on or navigate or think about it's like you can come in and talk about any of it you don't have to have I have a lot of clients they're like well my my problems aren't that big I have a friend that's dealing with this or a family member that's dealing with this I'm like okay let's stop minimizing our problems I'm glad you're here Mm -hmm. obviously it's bothering you enough to the point where you're here so it's affecting you enough to the point where you thought oh maybe therapy would help people have good support systems but that's still not the same as being in therapy having that unbiased perspective from someone who's their sole job is to like support you and guide you through what you're going through and I know like me when I go to people and I just kind of want that sounding board it's often becomes into people giving their perspectives or opinions and it's not oftentimes what I want so I've found a different level of appreciation for the time that I get in therapy because it's uninterrupted me time and I feel like everyone needs that as a therapist I'm on my clients team they are my number one obviously part of my job is to bring in other some other aspects of what might be affecting it or a different way to look at things. But ultimately, I'm doing it because I think it will help you. Yeah. 
and we'll call you on your shit. Yeah. That's that's another <laughs> thing too. I do want to point out, like, we're not just yes men. No. You're not gonna get you're not gonna resolve your problems with a yes man. And if you are not experiencing a lot of change or growth in therapy, maybe your therapist is a challenging you enough because it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And I know when I was a new therapist, I was like, I don't want to challenge this person, even though I know that they're they are at the root of all their problems and they're self-sabotaging. And but you'll experience some pushback probably if you call people on it, but you're not gonna see change without that. And they're not gonna be able to witness the part that they're playing in their own lives without you maybe being like, hey, do you feel like you could play a role in these problems that keep popping up or the relationships that you have around you? And you'll experience pushback, but then eventually you'll experience hopefully some receptiveness to that and that you can work with and that you can move forward and build momentum off of that. I'm such a directive approach. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, people yeah. like that though. People like that. I mean, yeah. And I know like how to gauge, obviously, when, when to be that forward, mm-hmm. but I've, oh, that's always my, I think that's my strong suit is being able to call people on their shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the hardest thing as a therapist is being direct. But nothing too like you need to have that fine line. Also, uh, like sin- you're sincere and you care, and it's coming from a place of care. It's yes. not like I'm mad at you or I'm judging you. Yeah, no, it's never that. And also, like silence, so people can work through their own emotions or thoughts. I always have the thoughts of is this too long? What do I? Should I say something? Should I not? Should I just wait it out? And over time, it's gotten better. But I think those are really hard for us because we do want to do the best job for our clients and we want them to leave feeling great and supported and not judged and lifted up. And when you are more direct, people can start to sometimes get defensive in that way. But I challenge you if you're like in therapy, even if you are a therapist, but if you're in therapy and you have someone who might be a little bit more direct with you, like coming out from the lens of reframing it and being like, they're probably just trying to support me and give me different perspectives to look at. And this could be an opportunity for growth or just some self-reflection in this. I also like to tell my clients that if there's anything I'm saying or doing as your therapist that isn't vibing with you, let me know. Am I coming off too strong? Am I not supporting you enough or challenging you enough? What what else can I do differently to help support you? Because it is your time. I'm yep. here for you. So trying to keep that like open communication of how does this feel for you? Yeah. You know? Yep. And to if you moved from a different therapist, I've had this before too, and you start seeing someone new, as a therapist, I'll often ask clients like, what did what you didn't you vibe with with the last therapist? What did you feel went well? What do you feel didn't? And it's not to dog on the previous therapist, but it's like, what can I do differently? And also as a client, being able to advocate for yourself. What do I need differently? And what do I want out of my time? Like Jules said, because it's your time. It's important to get what you want out of it to reach the goals that you have set for yourself in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also would say it's okay to go through multiple therapists. <laughs> guilty <laughs> I mean it's so hard and maybe 
because we're therapists, we might be a little bit more picky. Yeah, I don't know. Know. <laughs> since we like know kind of what they're what trying to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I think still it's it's hard no matter like who you are and how much you know about mental health. Like it's hard to find that person that you feel comfortable enough to share all of those things with. And you don't, I don't vibe with a lot of, I will say I don't vibe with a lot of people. I feel like you find the people that you vibe with and that's great, but you're, it's normal to find the first person and maybe not experience that connection right away. It's great if you do, but I'm someone who I'm looking for a specific person and you're not so just going to take a few tries to find it. And now I feel like we both found really good yeah. therapists we vibe with and it's great and I look forward to it. But I definitely had a therapist, my last therapist for a couple of years and I kind of just stayed with it because I felt bad for leaving one and I was like, maybe it's me and maybe I'm being resistant to it. But then I feel like I would go every week and just we weren't able to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. I sometimes felt like she was bothered by things that I would bring up. I was talking about it too much and I just didn't feel any progress was being made. So I finally was like, I'm going to start looking and I reached out to her and was just like, I lied. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to take a break here a little bit. I still haven't told my therapist. (laughs) 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 Has she reached out to you? No. So that's kind of why I'm like, well, because so on this is my thing okay i was seeing the therapist for two years i for at first really liked her and i still like her as a person but she i started to realize i couldn't share what i wanted to like i would hold back and i don't couldn't figure out why but it was like i thought she was gonna judge me yeah and i think the reason being is because as a therapist I am constantly thinking about how I'm coming off and I'm really trying to be as calm and kind and caring as possible. And I wasn't getting that from her. Yeah. And so when I would share things, I would see the shift in her position and it would make me uncomfortable. Oh, she was kind of taken aback by that. So I wonder what she thinks of me now. And so it was hard. I was like starting to develop this persona in my head. And then finally, I found a therapist that had a little bit more experience in trauma work, which is something I was ready for and not getting from my last therapist. So I was like, this is a good, a good change. Yeah. And I just literally stopped seeing my last therapist. I haven't reached out. But on the therapist side, I know after three months, technically you close their file if you don't have a scheduled yeah. appointment with them. And it's been more than three it's months. It's weird that she would reach out and be like, hey, yeah, on another... Because that's what I would do. And, okay. and not to be, like, direct about this, but do you think she would just knows it's probably time? Not that she doesn't want to see you again, but, like, why would she not reach out again? Maybe she'll listen to my podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, you're like, you're the person, but it just wasn't working. Yeah, that's professionally. No, I have no idea. Interesting. I just feel like maybe she didn't care. My hero never really reached out either. I was like, I'm just going to take a break. And then I never got a follow-up. But she was also, I think it was time because she was having a baby going on between oh, yeah. And I didn't want to be the person like jump shit because she's having a baby. But I was like, there is an end time, like a 
I don't know, like an end in sight for like a little bit because if she was going on maternity leave, that would be like four months. And then I would have to like shift to a new person during that time. And I was like, oh, that's what I would like the new mm-hmm. person are coming to life. <laughs> so I probably would never switch back anyway. But advocate for what you want. I know I have a lot of people who have like passed trauma too. Like I've seen females who don't want to see a male because they're more comfortable with females. Mm-hmm. Like looking for that too. I always love psychology today. This is not an ad, but like we're both on there. It's nice because you can filter like insurance, mm-hmm. what you're looking for. If you're a therapist, the time of approach you want the therapist to use. There's so many out there, but it's just nice to filter it, it that way. And then you can look at therapists in your area too. And if you're brand new and don't know what kind of approach you're looking for, that's completely fine too. Yeah. There's so many therapists with so many different theories and ways to navigate therapy. Yeah. And a lot who practice different, multiple mm-hmm. different things too. And I think a lot of therapists will tailor it to what you need specifically. Yes. So the approach isn't as important as what specific problem or issue you're looking at getting resolved. Because a relationship, anxiety, depression, ADHD, there's a lot of specialties out there for people. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions is, what are your hours? And that also depends on what clinic you're at or what therapist, because some clinics allow the therapist to make their own schedules. Other places, it's like Monday through Friday, 8 to 4 or whatever. Such beef was 10 to 8, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, at my clinic, at my place. And I'm thinking about my last place, so we're going to know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I get the luxury of making my own schedule. So I only work four days a week, but I work like 10 to 12 hour days to try to get in all the clients that I see. And then that gives me a good range of, I can see people in the morning, midday and evening, people after work and stuff. So I really genuinely love that because I need three days in order to recoup and do my own thing. Otherwise I don't think I could do this job. Four days is, is my max. Eventually, someday, or like go down. Yeah, or it's a very flexible caseload. Yeah, I recently switched from a clinic, so I did an internship at a clinic I loved, but I wasn't getting enough clients. So I switched to this new clinic. Probably, it was in November. Absolute just story from hell. I won't get into all of it, but a clinic that's that says they're clinicians will have autonomy, independence, like we're independent contractors. So we can go work for a place, but we, most people I feel should get autonomy over like their schedule, those sorts of things. But I just, it was not working for me because I was supposed to be in the office two days a week, but office sharing. So I didn't have my own space. And then they opened up another spot for me because they're like, you have to be in office 50% of the time. But I'm like, if I'm telehealth three days a week, in person two days a week, I have to work really, really long hours. Like those days I was working like eight to 7 p.m. Like it was just brutal. And for me, I'm just not a person that wants to do that. Like nine to five is enough. I can't do 12 hour days, especially in a very unhealthy environment so they gave me another third day in the office but at that clinic I was hopping between three different offices I felt like it was affecting me I felt like it was affecting my clients so I finally was like I 
just think I need to go out and do my own thing. So I am like in an office space in like, I'm not even gonna probably disclose it right <laughs> now. You guys can find me if you want to come uh-huh. check it out. But I'm still in Minnesota. I just rent an office space, but it's like for me independently. And my hours are like eight to five. I'll see like my last client at five, but like yesterday it was a pretty slow day for me. Like I had an 8 a.m. telehealth. So I woke up, had my coffee, hung out, and then I had another one in the afternoon, another telehealth, and then I taught yoga last night. So I feel like it's nice to have the flexibility and the independence to create my own schedule. That's what I want as a therapist. But I know a lot of people have had like situations of just like I had at my last place, like being in environments that aren't healthy, that aren't supportive. And as a therapist, I was like, it's not the mental health environment that I want to be in for my clients. So as a therapist, like making sure you're taking care of yourself too. And what do you want your schedule to look like? What do you want your hours to be? Some people are great with four days a week. For me, I'm working five days a week right now, but I'm definitely taking Fridays off in the summer just for my own mental health and flexibility. I love to go to the lake. So yeah, it's nice to have my schedule back. And at my last place, they were like, if you want, to decrease your hours, you have to get approval and we have to have a meeting. And I'm like, no, not doing that. <laughs> not staying here. So I lasted only two months because I like <laughs> independence. <laughs> yeah, just the ability to. Yeah, there were so many hidden things. You sign a contract, but there's so many hidden. I don't know. Some people are just some environments, like work environments can just be so hard. Mm-hmm. And in the profession where you or supporting other people's mental health and you give a lot I was so defeated for months like what do I do because the transitions are hard but I don't want to stay in an environment like that so yeah I like my eight is a little early for me but I'll do it I like like the nine to five I'm in office so on Mondays I work from home and online okay telehealth nice you kind of get like a you get a long weekend and then you don't have to drive monday yeah and then yeah tuesday wednesday thursday i'm in the office i get there at like 7 30 in the morning and i don't leave until 6 (laughs) 30. see how do you do that see because it's only i think i think about it this way it's one last day i have to wake up as a therapist like i can just stay in the zone do my thing I have a, a lunch hour, like I take yeah, an hour so break. This is something I just want to know personally, and any therapist out there too, like how many clients in a day is like your max to see? I schedule nine. <laughs> I'm most comfortable with seven. Yeah. Eight's okay. Nine, I usually do nine because someone cancels. Yeah, but There's she did this two weeks ago where she sent <laughs> a line and no one canceled. And nobody cares. And she texted me, she's just think of me as I get as I get through this day. No, I'm used to this. I mean, I saw a supervisor who says this, but she's four to five I max. I was seeing like nine mm-hmm. at my last place. It was too much by the end of the day because I would still work five days a week. And by the yeah, end, end of the week, and the end of those days, I was like, this blows. And I feel like I'm not able to give as much to my evening clients as I am my morning clients. Right now, I'm in say six or seven a day would be like my max. Yeah, I, eventually I will go down. 
my goal is to, I always do other things on the side, but do other fun, creative types of things like create light and those things. And then work like 15 to 20 hours a week with clients. Yeah. It's like my goal. It's my goal. I want to be a therapist like three days a week. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, yeah. Cause we love our jobs. It's, but I think the flexibility is so important and, like you said, having days off because it's it's a job that I don't even I care so deeply yeah. for my clients. It's I think about them all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. I'll <laughs> be out and about and see something that they had mentioned. I think about it. You recommend a movie to me, I'm gonna watch it. No, I am invested. Which is not great. So well, I mean we care and we're we are emotionally invested and I think we can talk all day as therapists about compartmentalization, but at the end of the day, you can only compartmentalize so much to care about someone enough to help them change and make these changes and support them through grief or loss or whatever they're dealing with symptomatically. Yeah, you can compartmentalize and you can try to shut off a lot of the care that you have. But why though? Mm-hmm. Like why can't we care? I think it's like talked about so much as therapists like compartmentalize don't bring it home with you and to an extent yeah like I'm able to keep that under control Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm home sobbing because I am feeling so deeply for a client I think about them I've done that a few times well (laughs) so my car ride home is when I like decompress Mm -hmm. so there's been times where I have cried in my car but usually that's my space to just let it out. And mm-hmm. that's what moving a little bit out of the city helped with. I have, mm-hmm. I have not a long commute now, but I have that good drive to just, it's very needed. I think at the end of the day. Yeah. I was talking about this with one of my supervisors. We are taught that as therapists, we have to keep a wall up basically mm-hmm. between us and our clients. And I get that to an extent. It's like, no, I'm not going to be your best friend. I'm not going to be your relative. I'm not going to let you like come stay in my house. Like, no. yeah, obviously those are boundaries that we have in place. But why is it that in therapy, we are allowed to build you up and support you and congratulate you on all your successes. But then when it comes to the sad things and the terrible things, it's don't cry with them. Don't. I'm like, why can't I cry with you? I'm feeling deeply for you. I'm going to cry for you. And that's okay. Yeah. And you'll have things come up where you're feeling it because you've experienced it too. Mm-hmm. And it's not a time as a therapist to take that spotlight. But no. if you're feeling it, my supervisor, you can cry with them. That's okay. Yeah. And so that's what it's was... okay to do that. And she even said, like, it's, it's BS how you're told to care less. But then we let our clients come in here and just tell us their deepest, mm-hmm. darkest mm-hmm. secrets and... This is exactly what I was talking about with my supervisor. Like, we're human. Yeah. How do we not feel those things? And then we not care. So powerful. It's such a powerful experience to come into someone's office as a client, as a therapist. I know. To be able to share those deep things with someone and experience that and be heard and feel. Yeah. It's empowering in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um. And so I'm not going to shiver with my emotions because I feel like 
it makes you a better therapist to allow yourself to feel not all of it all the time. And it's eating you up. Okay. Then we should have a talk about how to yeah. support you and regulate you, right? Yes. But if you feel comfortable enough to, to let that kind of barrier down, then that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, no. Anyway, I don't know how we got to that. I've had so many talks with my supervisor about it too, though. Just expectations and what's the next question? So how long are therapy sessions? Oh, that's a good question. Mine's dependent on my rate. So I, at my last clinic, they have a set rate and it was like 55 to 60 minute sessions for that one rate. And then... If they're paying out of pocket and they wanted like a lower rate, we could meet for 45 minutes. And that's kind of how I do it at my practice right now. I have 45 minute or 60 minute options. And then the rates are different dependent upon that. Mine are 16 minutes to, I think it's 35 minutes. And then it's 36 minutes to 52 minutes. And then it's 53 plus minutes. Weird. So, yeah. And that includes time. What would 16 minute? Like a consult or what? Yeah, I think. Like a... But in couple sessions are 26 plus minutes. Family sessions, 26 plus minutes. But I know times where a family session or a couple session will be an hour and a half long. Yeah, there's no cap. It's whatever I'm available. Yeah. I've heard of people scheduling like two hour sessions for couples. Mm-hmm. At my first place, it was, I don't know what time, to 37 minutes and then 37 to 54. And that was like the max was like 54 minutes. Interesting. Every place does it kind of differently. So it's weird because sure it all goes through. Yeah. I don't know. Insurance. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't know. know. But yeah, so that's how we do it. I usually tell my clients sessions are typically 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. I end up having 60-minute sessions a lot of the time, though, because, yeah, I'm not going to kick you out. It's in the middle of, what, like, a sentence or... No, and you can pay for, like, 45 minutes. It often goes, like, 50, 52 oh. minutes. But then the 60-minute people oftentimes are, like, right on the hour. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have someone after, it's... I'll let it go. Usually a few minutes yeah. over. But I try to start setting those boundaries. I'm like, here, okay, time's up. And it's so hard. I know. I have one client. And he, every time he's always, like, checking the time. He's, I feel like I'm I'm taking the advantage of you. I'm running too long. And he's so anxious that he's, like, using up my time. And it breaks my heart. Oh, like, this is so okay. No, I, I have a client like that too. And well, it's always on telehealth. And she's, I am very conscious of time. Like, what time do we go to again? Like, she always has me remind her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but finish like what you were saying. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, and I'm right at the minute. She's like, all right, I'm going to let you go. It's <laughs> so sweet. It is yeah. very, very sweet. But yeah, I think it varies typically 45 to... 55 minutes I think would be like an average and your therapist should tell you yes what to expect from that yeah and I've had clients too where they'll schedule an hour session basically and then tell me when they get there I can only be here for 40 minutes because I have to leave mm-hmm. to whatever yeah. I'm like, I know that's I fine and girl he's like get the 
to the bus. Yeah. I will say though, typically the first session will be an hour. Yeah, so that always goes longer because we have to gather so much info from you. It feels very invasive. And we don't even get everything <laughs> done in the first hour. No. Like, so the first session is called an intake. So basically, we run through a lot of background history and everything. everything. And it can feel like a lot. Just a lot of questions, a lot of just... But, you know, we're just like touching on a lot of topics. And then the second session will... Follow, follow up a little bit more on those, get to any questions we missed. And then subsequent sessions after that, like three and more, is diving into those mm-hmm. and like really starting to be like talk therapy. The first two are, can be, they're only as personal as they can be with like the questions that are being asked. And I always like to remind them like, this is going to feel probably pretty invasive. I'm asking so many questions. If there's anything you really don't feel like answering today, please let me know. I'm not going to force you to tell me. It's just so that I can help you. It's yeah. So I can do my job better. Yeah. Um, I feel like so much. <laughs> At the same time, though, because every time my clients come back to a second question, I always ask, like, how did the first one feel for you? I know it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, they're... Like, I actually felt pretty good sharing all of that. So even though in the moment it feels, like, a little bit overwhelming, by the time you leave, I think there can be, like, a sense of relief to actually get some of that stuff off your chest and knowing someone's going to help you. Well, and what I've noticed, too, is it would be really challenging to come to a first session with a stranger and not have any guided questions. Mm -hmm. What brings you here today? I feel like... I don't know a lot of shit, <laughs> but to have those questions go through mm-hmm. and then that gives us a better idea of the, the bigger points that we really need to touch on or the themes that we've been noticing or the family dynamics that we see as the dysfunctional, mm-hmm. um, that helps us kind of help guide you in future sessions versus you coming in and having to figure out what you want to talk about or start with. I think people are surprised by, we ask about your sleeping habits, your eating habits, your exercise routine. We ask about all different parts of your life that feel maybe to you originally that they're not related to mental health, but everything has a connection to mental health. And so it's it helps us paint a picture of, okay, how is this affecting other parts of your life? And is there really a good connection here that we can kind of work through? And we'll ask about your strengths too, because we want to hear like what you feel is going well in your life, because mm-hmm. that helps us know the strengths that will help guide you and the tools that we can implement in therapy to get through these barriers that you're dealing with too. Mm-hmm. So, all the things. All the things. Okay, that's why I like this question. Are there homework assignments? <laughs> Okay, so I'm running this homework assignment. I do. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to give you homework. No, and it's not like, here's a piece of paper. I'll fill this out. So no. not bring it back to me. It's, it's not informal. It's really informal. It's based off of whatever we're talking about. If there are certain coping mechanisms that you're trying to put into place, I'm going to tell you to try Try to do it at least once a day and tell, come back to me and tell me how it went. Yep. So it's not really, and occasionally I will give out handouts but they're not homework they're things to like reflect on or look over or have given journaling prompts to someone before 
just so that, because they're like, I want to journal, but I have a hard time getting started. I don't know what to journal about. Okay, here you go. Here's some prompts to start with. It's just meant to help you. It's not yeah. supposed to feel like a chore per se, but something that will have an impact on your life in a positive way. I would say mine are similar. They're pretty informal. Mm-hmm. I give a lot of my teens, I'll send them home with something we've been talking about that will just help them because they know, you know, mm-hmm. it'll just fall out of their mind if they leave and never think about it until the next week. But for a lot of my adults, for example, I'll have adults who experience a lot of negative self-talk. And so I'll be like, over the next week until I see you next, when you experience that, I want you to tell me what you were doing when it comes up the most. Like it's a lot more reflection. And I, want, I encourage you to think over the next week, like when this comes up, we're noticing these patterns. And it's it's fun to like for them and fun, maybe not the right word, but I feel like it's fun. It's fun for them to come back and for them to like, be like, yeah, I noticed when I was doing this. They're like, I never thought about this before, but now that I'm noticing it, it's really hard not to notice when I'm doing these things. One of my favorite things is to have people come back and be like, I did it uh-huh. and feel good about it. No, and I'm like, about it. Yes. Yeah. Or like starting to notice because that's the shift that we're yes. trying to make is noticing those things. Mm-hmm. And so it is fun as therapists because you're like, yes, you did it. And it's working. And it's really awesome to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also, t- I have a stack of journals I've got from Amazon and sometimes I'm like, okay, reflect on whatever it is we're talking about or get like kind of like what you said when this comes up for you just write a couple sentences about it or even words if you can't even do sentences just jot a few words down so that when you come back in it'll help remind you about what happens like yeah. how'd it go yep bullet points lists i love lists with clients and any lists so we always make lists together yeah yeah <laughs> it's another one I don't know for you. I think that was most of these ones. Okay. Something I will say, I should talk about my experience starting therapy. Yeah. So when I was a child in middle school, I obviously was going through a rough time, had some, some things going on, and I didn't like the school counselor. I think because he was a man, Plus, was tough for me. And so he had recommended to my parents that I go to therapy. And I went to therapy one time, and it was a terrible experience for me. So, so bad. I felt... So I... Thinking about it now as an adult, I'm pretty sure this therapist strictly did play therapy, but I was, like, 13. Oh. So... I felt like it was too, I was too old yeah. for what she was attempting. She was like trying to play a game with me and I was not in a mindset to play a game. I, I needed to tell someone what was going on. Yeah. Like I wanted to share and it was just felt not therapeutic. No. I don't know how else to explain it. She wasn't warm. She was just like psychoeducation, kind of psychotherapy, yeah. lay therapy routes. Freudian kind of, yeah. not as an adult, I understand the perspective she came from. Yeah. But it was just not for me. She wasn't warm and bubbly. I needed someone that would make me feel safe and 
feel motherly or grandma. And so it was just not good. I felt misunderstood because she kind of tried to explain things back to me, like what she heard me say. And it was not at all what I had said or was trying to say. And given I was a, a preteen or a teen at that point, still didn't have all the words to describe how I was feeling. So... I'm sure parts of it were me being a teenager. I'm just, I hate this shit, but yeah. And so I left it just feeling very misunderstood, unheard, not helped. Yeah. And I was already like a sad and angsty teen. So that was not what I needed. And then I didn't go to therapy again until grad or undergrad school. Really? Yeah. So... Because I had this thing against therapists. (laughs) And then she becomes one. Well, in like my halfway through high school, I took the psychology course, like this college course or whatever in high school, and decided I loved the subject and wanted to learn more about it. And then I decided, I was like, I took their class, and on the first day, I was like, I'm going to be a therapist and I'm going to be a way fucking better therapist <laughs> than that chick was. And I'm going to make people, well, I originally want to work with kids. So it's like, I'm going to make kids feel comfy. Like they could talk to someone. Yeah. And I do work with kids now, but I have a more broad spectrum of the individuals I work with right now. But yeah, then I decided, okay, I was leading a trip in my undergrad. I used to lead outdoors trips and like what? kayaking and camping. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for three years, I was responsible for other young adults oh. going out into the woods, and I taught them how to keep stay alive and how to make a fire with just nature and Girl Scouts and cons, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, it was good to me. Oh, your survival tactics. How to tap a maple tree and get maple syrup. (laughs) Yeah, all the jazz. All the jazzy things. So, yeah. But anyways, on one of these trips, we had a staff member come join us. And it happened to be a therapist. And... I just got talking with her by the bonfire one night. She was like, you should come see me. And so then I started therapy with her, and that was a very good reintroduction of therapy for me. Good. And I was already going to school for psychology with the intention to be a therapist, so it was something I really needed. And then after that, I couldn't see her anymore, so that's when I started kind of therapist hopping. Yeah. Because I couldn't see her because she was a campus counselor or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and now I'm here. Yeah, see, I crazy. same thing. I took a psych class in high school and loved the, I, I just loved the subject. I loved learning about human brain, behaviors, all of those things. But then I decided to major in bio, biology. Like my first. What? Yeah. Biology. Yeah. I cannot see that. No. I wanted to like be a doctor. No, you didn't. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, oh, for high school. Well, for what? Sorry. That's what... No. Doctors are cool. Yeah, but... I just don't see If that. you know me now. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, all through middle school, all through high school, I wanted to be a doctor. In what? I... Anything? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. For the longest time, peds, or I thought surgery would be cool. Um, 
Yeah. And I literally like graduated a semester early from high school. I worked at a hospital for six months. What the? I went to the University of Utah. They have a really good med program. Yeah. And I then I don't know any of this. I know we're just learning so many friends for years now. <laughs> and I have no idea. And then I was like a semester into school and I was like, biology sucks. This is so boring. I don't want to learn about cells. And I don't, it's just not, it didn't interest me at all. No. So I, and that was the time that I was moving back home. And I was like, you know what? New college, new degree. I switched to psych, but even when I switched to psych, I was like, it, therapy was never in my mind. Mm-hmm. of something I wanted to do. I was like, maybe I want to do forensic psychology. Maybe I want to like work more in law and like be a lawyer. So I worked in a law office for two years. That's crazy. I took the LSAT. No, didn't. What? Girl, there's so many things about me. I studied for months. I took the LSAT. And then I was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this. Cause I would talk to lawyers in the law office and they'd talk about their jobs and how it's a lot more filing paperwork. And it's not like this intense trials or courts that you're, it's just a lot of like paperwork and filing and, you know, a lot of sitting at your desk. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And so it was literally like my junior year of high school. I was working in an infant cognitive development research lab at my college working on coding like college college we were in a study so year of college yeah so kids like parents would bring their kids in to be studied like their behaviors Um, we were doing gender stereotypes like what toys they would choose during the study we wrote like articles on it i did an independent study a semester later so i wrote a whole research thesis on this it was wild and then i was like i really love learning about kids behaviors and then I was I still, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And then I went to therapy around that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe. And then I was talking to my therapist. I was like, we spent a whole session. She was telling me about her job. And I left. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to learn about kids' behaviors. I want to help them work on their emotions. Yeah. Well, and then I've never wavered since. But yeah, I was not someone who like knew what the frick I wanted to do. And it was like three years where I was like, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do this. It was like a new And you went all over the place. Doctor, lawyer, <laughs> therapist, forensic psychologist. I was like, should I go be an FBI and get my doctor in a forensic psychology? Like weird crap like that. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then you like, I landed on it and I was like, it feels perfect and then it kind of all fell into place after that but it was like three years of I don't know what I want to do I feel like I'm all over the place and then I moved here for school I applied right away Mm -hmm. moved here got my yoga certification so I could work on a lot of somatic experiencing how your body stores emotions so I was like that's what I want to intertwine in my work with like kids and adults and I'm like, yeah, I found what I want to do. Wow. Crazy. Mm -hmm. My research thesis was on sleep. What about sleep? College students. And how shitty we sleep. Yeah. It was like the connection between sleep and routine. And so we did like... You should have a major study. Yeah. No, and then I also did... I worked with one of my professors on 
a project she was doing outside of the university, but I got credit for it. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we basically, I did just a lot of entering data and then we had coding costs. It was the whole thing. Yeah. But it was this new program in Duluth that was supposed to help teenagers. And it was basically just trying to figure out like how actually helpful it had been. But it, that was interesting. That's what helped me decide I don't want to go back for my doctorates because I Jesus. don't want to do research. No. And no. I only want to go for my doctorate for the status of having a doctorate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be so honest and can candid on here. Like I yeah. It's not to like actually have my doctorate. I will never go back. It's I, like, I, yeah, I just wanted to be like doctor. But I'm like, who the fuck? No cares. Yeah. No, I will not. I will not go back. Mm-hmm. But then like that sleep study too, I think you can tie it to like how much your mental health can be affected. Oh like yeah. Your sleep. Oh yeah. I talk about sleep all, I think my clients are always sick of it yeah. at this point. Cause I'm always like, well, I'll just sleep last night. And they're like, why do you get so? Yeah. I, well, my sleep is so tired to mental health and even mm-hmm. you should coach me on that. Cause I, I can't stop going to bed at midnight right now. Or like 1am. What are you doing in the hours leading up to when you go to sleep? Watching the Indians too. So, okay. We can get into that later. <laughs> I, uh, you're not supposed to be on technology an hour before bed, guys. Okay? They don't just say that to punish you. It literally, the brain waves, your brain has different kind of... I watch it all the way up until I go to bed. You go through. And... Right before bed, if you are watching TV or scrolling on your phone, you are triggering your brain waves to stay alert. So it's not going to allow yourself to move back into beta and beta in order to fall asleep. It's simple science, guys. And what's so funny is at the start of this year, I was like, no more TV before bed. I'm going to read. Oh, see, that would be it's much been better for nothing you. but TV before bed. <sighs> I'm just saying that. Handmaid's handmaid still just pulls you in. Change that one thing and it will help. We'll see. It's it's not. They'll have to stay tuned until the next episode to see how my sleep is going. I also haven't started Friends yet, but that's on the, the docket. It's okay to watch TV, but an hour before bed, turn it off. Passionate, guys. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh, no. no. Any more, any more questions? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I think those are pretty, not the ones that I commonly get. Yeah. And if you guys have any more about therapy or have anything you want us answered, you can always DM us or we can do a part two with other questions that we get from you guys. But thanks for tuning in and we hope you got something out of it. If you're thinking of going to therapy, it can be helpful just to know what to expect. If you're in therapy and you're like us, and how we were a few months ago and you're like, I'm not vibing with my therapist, but I don't know what to do. You know, if there's more options out there, find the right fit for you. Yeah. And then next week we are going to be doing our little book club. The eight rules of love by Jay Shetty. See, I didn't, I didn't know the author, but yeah, we'll talk about relationships and all of that next week. So tune in and we hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um.